Hey guys, it's Ed. Welcome back to the Something to Do podcast. Uh, today we sit down to discuss a lot of comedy and late night talk show goings on. This uh, this episode isn't too high concept, but it is us discussing it in a kind of inside baseball sort of way. The way an act is put together and how all these talk show hosts are apparently somehow related to one another. This isn't what we sat down to talk about, but it's where the conversation went anyway. So we hope you'll enjoy it. And trust me, it's much better than the topic we actually had planned. So I'll get out of the way and let you into the part that you're actually here for. Thanks for listening, and I'll hook back up with you guys in the end for the liner notes. Have you guys been pointing to Ed and Charlie, not the audience, just so we know? That'd be kind of cool if you were able to point to the audience. I bet. We can do an interactive thing. Like, hey, I just want you to respond. live audience. <laughs> So, if, if we ever get to the point where we do live shows, you know how, like, funny? Because then at that point, I, I would have to, like, always refer to, like, hey, you got, hey, that one person watching or listening. Yeah, thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming hey, out. Guys. Thanks for allowing us to afford new vehicles. <laughs> we can get here. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> we could afford yeah. new uh, vehicles. Uh, oh, yeah. we're hinting <laughs> even... We're gonna have so much fun. It's gonna be like a festiva. You're uh, gonna have fiesta here. I feel like I'm gonna like ruin it because I'm like, yeah, Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rain on my Ford Festiva parade over here that I bought. Uh, oh, I just bought a car at Conquers the Road for six days before it dies on me. <laughs> I made 40 miles per gallon plus driving like an asshole around 75, 85 miles an hour at the top speed. I, I think that um, technically you probably even got better than 40 miles per hour because for a while you were just rolling without using any gas, right? You mean 50 miles per gallon then, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. something like that. It's killing it. <laughs> for, for people who haven't noticed, we are funny guys. We are. I guess you guys are. Hey, I'm looking uh, looking at your old car right here. Look at that. Hey. <laughs> oh, well, it's, you're you know, it's a couple of years ahead of the future that one, but you know, you'll probably be hit by a truck too. Oh so. my god, I can't believe how you got into an accident with one of these things. Yeah. Yep. Like the whole circumstance, how you're walking still is still just. It is a remarkable story of uh, engineering that. And luck, really. Actually, a lot of luck. A lot of luck. Well, yeah. Bibbs' legs are magic. Yeah. He's functioning like nothing. Fucking magic. I don't like to say it, but you've seen Unbreakable, right? Bruce, that was yeah. kind of based off of me. I, yeah. I'm Bruce Willis. No, uh, I kind of ruined my anonymity right there by even telling you, honestly. I, I kind of have to strangle you in a pool now. I, that's how you kill that. What a rough yeah, way to go out. That's <laughs> what he does? Uh, yeah, that's what he did. He, he, like, just choked the dude out. That was how he... Wait, Mr. Mr. Glass? No, Bruce Willis. Oh, okay, I'm about to... Well, wait, did he choke out Mr. No, he didn't choke out... He choked out that one uh, family killer. Because remember in the movie, he... 
came to that. He like jumped on a dude's back and he just basically like held him in a lock. And the guy was like banging him against the wall trying to get him off. And he just held that. He was lock. trying to break him. He yeah, didn't know. but he, he he can't break that unbreakable bastard. Okay, I thought I thought that because I, I haven't seen the movie. I just know no, like no. a couple of things. So I thought you were saying he like strangled Samuel L. Jackson. Like that's <laughs> that's kind of not a fair fight. No, it wouldn't have been. Like even if you're not unbreakable, still like. It's just a dick move to like, strangle out of the guy who can't really kick back. His legs aren't magic. No. no, no. He's still, still have arms, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but his bones are made out of glass yeah. instead of bones. Ooh. That's why it's called Mr. Glass. Okay. So even if you're just like a regular dude, if you get into a fight with them, then that's, mm. that's kind of fucked up. So what is this guy's superpower? Uh, Bruce Willis's? He was he he's unbreakable. Enhanced he's strength. He couldn't be hurt, so he's invulnerable. Uh, he could he had some weird power where he could like touch people. I remember this. All right, now I remember this. And Sorry. somehow see bad shit they did. Oh, so that do. was him and Samuel Jackson. And I I didn't even put this together. They both also did the movie Die Hard. Um, the they did the Die Hard movies. Yeah. They and also both did, did Pulp Fiction. Yep. And oh, yep. They were both, so this was one of the in that early '90s window where they got back together to do the M Night Shyamalan movie, which was the last good movie that man has produced and mm. created. Uh, really? It's not the last movie he created. <laughs> yeah, okay. so yeah, I was gonna say it's the last good movie. Yeah, I didn't know this. It's the last good movie. He has made <laughs> shit since then. Hey, signs. Signs was like, because Signs came after. Signs was like Signs the was tipping. Huh? <laughs> Signs was dumb. Yeah, Signs was the tipping point where you're like, wow, he's not that good. Because Signs was kind of good in terms of the suspense of it all until the end. And then you kind of. Signs, once you watched it like once and then halfway through a second time, you kind of be like, hmm. Why did he do that? And it, it just let... It, all the luster of it left you. He was like, why would aliens who are weak against water come to a planet with 75% of it? Also, they should have just started, like, burning up as soon as they walked out of their ship because yeah. there's water vapor. Yeah, there's water vapor. Yeah, it's, and then it's like, well, why are they so tough on this farm? Why don't they go do, like, invasion shit? Well, see, so, that, <laughs> did they learn anything like, from the movie Mars Attacks? You get your together. That was a good movie. <laughs> I like that movie. Yeah, it was a... What's the song? I'll watch pretty much anything that has MJF in it. What was the song they kicked on that would drive them nuts? Uh, well, they played a... It's not unusual. Yeah, no, no, Tom Jones. Jones. That's not the song, though. They killed him, though. Was, yeah, they didn't like kill him. Like this weirdo uh, country song yeah. or some shit. Okay. They yeah. just played it a lot during that movie, though. Yeah. Right? Tom Jones just, like, getting a <laughs> second running. Yeah, he got famous again <laughs> for, like, a second. That's when he came out the movie, the song Sex Bomb, like, right after that. <laughs> you remember that? No. Yeah, he, he, he had like a... song. Yeah, the... It's not unusual to feel that song. And then he... Yeah, cut that. And then Sex Bomb came out right when he blew up again in the 90s. Mm, and he's okay. just, like... You're a sex bomb, sex bomb. Thank you, Quincy Jones. Yes. Yep. Because Quincy Jones is like produced. Oh. Bel Air, but of course, that Carlton who was always dancing that song on it. Really? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wait, really? Which part? Yo, no, no, not that part. I was just saying, like, I thought you meant that, uh, what's his name? Brian Gumble was part of the Tom Jones song, Sex Bomb. I was like, really? Brian Gumble, like HBO Sports Brian Gumble? Oops, did I get the wrong names flicked around here? Freshman I have no idea what it's being. I thought the guy's name. I think I played Charles in Fresh Prince of Bel Air was uh, Brian Gumble. No. Who the fuck is Charles? <laughs> Charlton. Carlton. Carlton yeah. was Oops. Alfonso Ribeiro. Rivera. That's his Rivera? real name? Yeah, Rivera. Alfonso Rivera. Oh, Alfonso Rivera. Last time I saw him, he's hosting a game show based he's on uh, Blackjack. Uh, he's currently doing the Dancing with the Stars thing, which I feel is really unfair because he's like he was like a backup dancer. Or something. I don't know. He like used to dance with or for Michael Jackson because like, that was his big dream. He knew how. So I feel like it's unfair that they have him on it. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have a career much anymore, but he can still fucking dance. So they put him on Dance with the Stars to, in a comp, dance competition. He people. better fucking win. Why is he? Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking uh, I'm stuck on this Brian Gumble thing. Cause I don't know why you picked Brian Gumble. I was I have no idea. He's I, a I, no, I, I'm sitting here thinking <laughs> of uh, uh, Dave Chappelle's show, and then uh, Paul Mooney's on there. The and reference. He, yeah, and he plays Mister Domus. Yeah, Negro Domus. Yeah, Negro Domus, and then he's saying Brian Gumble. No, ma- Wayne Brady makes, makes Brian, Brian Gumble look like Malcolm X. I like Wayne Brady. Yeah, me too. I've, I've grown to appreciate him, I guess. Yeah, He's, he's an amazing performer. Yeah. And he, it's funny because I... Maybe it's where do you get his start doing improv? He's, it's his thing, isn't it? He's, That's his he, fall to trade. He is a, Actor. a singer and yeah. dancer. Yeah. Like he... Um, I guess I can link to it. But I heard him do an interview with um, Aisha Tyler on her podcast, uh, Girl on Guy. And it was one of those interview shows where he, like, talked about his whole fucking career and how he got in. Um, For a long time, he was working at uh, Universal Studios doing, like, this, like, Monster Mash show. I think he was the werewolf. So, I mean, that has always been his thing, though. Like, he did, like, plays and shit in high school. Like, he's just, like, and he he is just, like, a performer. He'll Mm -hmm. sing, he'll dance, he'll do comedy. He tried out for Who's Line and just fucking got it. He's just like fucking awesome. He, I, yeah, he, he rocks. I like Wayne Brady. I just think, I'm, I'm just thinking, thinking right back to like the like days where he could like where he was uh, Barney's. Uh, when you when here. you had said like, I'm I've come to respect him, or both of you guys said at the same time. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just said I like him. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, really I never really had him. a reason to not like him. That's I what I was see gonna, why people like. That's what I was gonna ask. Is like he, he had a point where he fell out after the whole whose line is because he was just like he was like mega popular. But that's how doesn't that work when your fame gets so high that eventually it gets just time to cut this person down and see where it goes. Denny, I think uh, he was still always kind of he kind of niche though. He was never like he had a mainstream. High the, the thing with Wayne Brady was um, he was what appealed to like. Soccer mom, white women, and like he looked, yeah, he looked like the totally like soccer, wa- soccer like, black women. Or, or, yeah, or, like he was yeah. on Whose Line Is It Anyway, which was seen as a very like niche show for like a certain crowd. And then he he it's did those Folgers commercials and shit like Disney that. friendly. Yeah, he not even Disney. Yeah, Disney like, friendly, but he was very like morning show because he did have a morning show actually. Mm. He had a morning. It was like a morning show, the Wayne Brady show. He 
And it was like a, oh, I didn't a, even a know backlash this. because like he he wasn't like a, a black performer. Yeah, he wasn't what you would call the black performer, and so but he was like this very like safe. Friendly, right? That's the thing. Guy. He was safe. Yeah, and th- that's what made the whole skit he did on Dave Chappelle so funny because, like, even the cop, even how the cop character said it, he was like, "Oh my God, my mom's gonna love it." She's like, "See," he was like, "Well, she <laughs> yeah. won't find out, motherfucker." They, they killed him right there. So that was like hilarious. Cause she'll never get to see her again. <laughs> yeah, she'll never get to see her again. I believe like, he said, "Quote: She's never gonna hear it, bitch." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, just uh, like what? He was, like, he was like, what with the, the What's crazy is the funniest part about that whole bit to me was just that he had a microphone yeah. on this person, like, yeah. just pulled it out of his back pocket, like, say a little for you. It was amazing. But, yeah, so Wayne Brady was like, what you consider, wait, well, probably. He's safe. He was an Oreo. Yeah. He was, he was the, yeah, the, the Oreo thing. I hate that word. But yeah, which, he, who, which, instead of being, like, I don't know, refreshing or, yeah. you know, good, like, Oh yeah, shit! Crossover appeal. Mm-hmm. People were just like, "Fuck Wayne Brady." And as on me, I think before I had like gotten to, I guess any kind of level of performing, that's I, I didn't feel that way towards Wayne Brady. But like when people would say it, that's the only interaction. That's the only references you have. It's like, oh, he a cornball and all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I guess I feel the same way too. But then like as I kind of got more into, it, and then you you learn about things. It's like, no, he's really. Multi, you know, multi-talented. That's a really great thing. Have uh, Have either of you guys ever watched Let's Make a Deal? Yeah. Why, uh, at work, the guys will watch it at work all the time on TV, so I've seen so many. Why don't I, know, I know this show. I need a con- uh, need context. Uh, the, basically, Let's Make a Deal is, um, I don't know too much about game shows, but you'd have the crowd, you'd pick somebody from the crowd, and then you come... And then you do tasks very, pro- uh, what's the one famous one Bob Barker was on? Uh, Price is Right. Price Price is right, right. Yeah. So you do very Price is Right-like challenges. And then but I it's guess, like kookier. Yeah, it was like kooky. Because Price is Right is all a show about like, yeah. selling stuff. And yeah. like for Housewives, that's how it at least mm-hmm. got to start. Yeah. But let's make a deal. It's like fucking, okay, you're going to come, you're going to play this random-ass game that we yeah. just invented five minutes ago. It's, it's like Texas Hold'em, but you'll be with lobsters, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so they would they would play a game like that, and at this point, um, when they get to like the end part of it, they play with us. Your prizes was like you can either make a deal on do you want that or that, or do you want yeah. to bet it all the way and stuff like that, and then that's basically what people. I don't know why I'm sitting here thinking of a double dare. <laughs> just, I don't know why. I mean, it actually, like, just in, well, without, you know, yeah. the slime and stuff, like, yeah, the like, randomness of that show was kind of similar, except yeah. instead of it being, like, a group of, like, two kids or whatever, it's just, like, random people from the audience. Yeah. But that show is so fucking entertaining. I, like, I don't remember the old one, but, like, since Wayne Brady's been hosting it, it's so fucking entertaining. Yeah, it's, that is that what he does like, now? It's one he... of the oldest. I've never known. I've honestly never running. heard of the show until I saw Wayne Brady. Is that what he does now, yeah. though? Is he hosts that game? I don't think it's... Is it still? Yeah, I believe so. Because it comes on in the morning. It's one of them, like, morning... It comes on at the, at the like, right before or right after Price is Right. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't... Know. Oh, well, so then him, then Drew Carey... Uh, 
Yeah, Drew Carey's still doing prices, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's I'm, his, uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Drew That's Carey. your stick. You know, Drew Carey in general? I mean, just not in general. Like, I watched the, the show. I thought that was... The right. Drew Carey show? Yeah. yeah okay. I like I'm not that. a big fan of him just, like... I don't know. I've never seen like, him do stand-up or anything. I always just see him in, like, these yeah, they, You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the stand-up and, like, mm-hmm. these people are, like, hosts for shows. Mm-hmm. Like, that concept to me, mm-hmm. like... I actually like learning about like the hosting of shows for a bit because I was like, how did John Stewart do it? How did Dave, uh, David Letterman do it? Because David Le- David Letterman like from a very early age started pining after Carson's role, yeah, but yeah. he wasn't after it in a way like I'm gonna knock that guy off the throne. He was like, he wanted something that level. Yeah, he he just he venerated the guy. He's like, I like him. He's do a you, good guy. Do you know the story of how he got uh, his show? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, that's a no, that's a genuine question. Oh, I don't, oh I don't know. so like I'm familiar with like the whole shit with Conan so, and Seth and so the whole thing happened. But I don't know was and if you want to catch me out on this, it's fine. Um, but I think rough rough's timeline was uh, he started out doing some stand up and uh, I know his was like terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. I mentioned John Stewart. He was terrible. Really? Yeah, and that I started seeing those parallels, and this is where when you we were talking about Drew Carey, and you never saw a stand up, and I'm sitting there wondering, there may be a reason why you don't see these hosts stand up, and I'm wondering, mm-hmm. was it why did they become hosts? Was it because they just couldn't sell to an audience, or was it that? They were malleable enough for the corporate environment. You'd be like, we will make this person into this host. I, I, well, it's, I, a, it's a different kind of. Yes, yeah, definitely. Right. Like hosting is, like, well, at least that type of hosting. Yeah, it's a, it's a different thing than yeah. like doing stand up where you're like, okay, this is me. Whereas when you're like that type of host, like they do on the shows that they have now, at least it's like, yeah, you're it's supposed to be less of you and more of you bringing the stuff and out of whoever and stuff you're with. Because, I, like, I don't, like, at least personally, anyway, I don't think David Letterman's that funny to me, anyway. Yeah. I mean, he, he probably is a genuinely funny guy and everything. He probably is very smart. Because, you know, even with those shows, they all have writers. There's a lot of writers, not just yeah. him. Yep. But I don't find him that funny to me. I find John Stewart brilliant. Like, everything, I know that mm-hmm. this other writer's going to contribute to his voice on yeah. the show, but I find him personally brilliant just with the stuff he writes. Well, that that's, so, I mean, look at uh, Stewart versus uh, Lewis Black. Yeah. Like, I, I watch Lewis Black stand, and I'm like, oh, this is hilarious. I love his fucking, you can't yeah. see me, guys, but yeah. I'm doing, like, yeah. my Lewis but, Black But you, you probably wouldn't want to sit there You can see that like, even without seeing him, yeah. like, just catching a five minutes cut of him in video, you will, I mean, you will remember like on, him when he's speaking on any CD. Because, like, on the, the Daily Show, his bits were basically just, like, fucking, hey, Lewis Black, do three minutes of stand-up mm-hmm. in the middle of our show. Yeah. Versus the stuff the Stewart's doing where it's all, like, it's set up, it's, like, yeah. produced, or he's doing the interviews where yeah. it's, like, it's not really about me, I'm just trying to make you funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah. I, plus, I think it goes to where... There's a certain. I think it's the with some of like gosh, certain comics have their voice. I think there's certain. John Stewart has. I think political humor is really hard to do. The satire. Yeah, right there. Sat- satire yeah. in general is hard to do. But yeah. I feel like to make it the level which they do it to where, and then, I mean, I guess, the way John Stewart does is he's in the middle, so he's playing both sides normally. Yep. Wait, and that's even harder. What? I think. Yeah. Hmm. Stewart's in the middle of what? Well, well, he, he, he has, tries to be anyway. I, he has no... He, he, he doesn't he, take... 
His stance isn't like liberal conservative. It's more just like sanity. I remember him explaining that way. So he's just he's seeing like the idiosyncrasy, idiocracy, idiocracy, the nuance. I don't know. Is idiosyncrasy? There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, And he sees all these little things that are out of line with people's perfect images of maybe a liberal politics or Republican politics or maybe even libertarian. Like he's. He's he's doing what a comic does is just yeah he's he's, 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 he's using pure observational comedy without now depending on the outside viewer we may see it as he's being like pro this way this and that and that that can happen and and that's not to say that he probably doesn't have a stance personally but for the most part he's objectively making fun of anything that needs to be made fun of so you'll have like a, a tea party convention. If you get that much material, you're going to maybe one week be just dishing yeah. out Tea Party yeah. jokes as opposed to... Or like when CNN did something yeah. where they were going on this thing where they were like... <laughs> for some reason, like, everybody who is a news anchor was like, Chris, was it good or bad? Good or bad? <laughs> yeah. Ed, good or bad? Charlie, good or bad? It's like something, my house got blown away by a tornado. Is that good or bad? You're moving. And it's like... Because <laughs> I'm... I'm kind of excited we're talking about John Seward now. I don't know why, but I've watched like a whole week of because he doesn't do interviews really that much, like personal interviews. So I was looking at all of them, and he makes it clear how much he hates CNN. Like he, his, his biggest gripe, from what I've like felt like I've learned, is like his biggest gripe with just news in general and how the sensationalism of news. He hates that, like, with a passion. It, that's why I, I pick up from like, He hates that. Like, it doesn't matter the story or the content. He just hates the sensationalism that all news outlets add to it. He, uh, I remember he had a, a, a interview with Bill O'Reilly, and he was saying about he feels Fox News, while they are misinformed, and he respects how well-oiled the machine that is Fox News is. They stick to a message. <laughs> And they deliver it. They ideology. Uh, I'm going to say Yeah, ideology. Uh, thank you, Ed. Yeah, thank you, Ed. <laughs> the word that it said. They they stick behind a point of view and don't veer from it, and they will drive it in your face as opposed to like MSNBC, which is trying to be like a yuppie, like oh, we're totally for everything, but we don't think we should argue with people either. It's like no, you kind of. At least Fox, at least Fox News would be like, yeah, I know the fucking sky is red, bitch, and then it is like, and, and he like he respects at least no matter the message. I just Fox really want to see the intro like that. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like that's he Fox News does it. They like I don't give a fuck if I'm wrong. So what? You're gay, and then like they run up, like you know that's what Fox News does. They stick so behind brutal. Yeah, they I, stick with it. You know, I feel like you're basically describing. The uh, conservative right and the liberal left, just like in general, oh, oh, like the, the right generally. Well, is yeah, like, because this MS- is our thing. These are our guns, <laughs> and we don't want you to take them from us because we have to stick to those guns. And the left is like fucking, hey guys, whatever fuck yeah. goes, and that's why it's so hard to like yeah. motivate yeah, them and get everybody can, on one page. Uh, he considers uh, CNN in the middle because CNN is kind of like. Look at our holograms. <laughs> They're not even like trying. They're just there. Yeah. So yeah, that's always interesting to me. Uh, political humor, because like, what do y'all do? You keep up. Anybody keep up, Bill Maher? Yeah, I actually. Yeah, I'll see something. It, it actually 
Uh, I've heard of him. You've yeah. heard of him. It, it, fall, it falls in a circle because, like, yeah. you, we're talking about, like, uh, you had a great term for it. Uh, your media outlets were, like, uh, podcasts and YouTube. Yeah. What'd you call that? Um, I said a bunch of you, stupid you, No, you, yeah, like, like a, yeah, I'm like Red Splay and stuff. I don't nice. I mean, like, I'm, Things that I'm will never like, be remembered. <laughs> maybe three weeks from now. I mean, it's not like it's right. a, ephemeral or anything. Yeah. Cause especially because things are more at shit. Okay, I'm gonna save that talk for when we do internet, social network, media shit in another episode. But I mean, all the stuff that I look at is still actually that might be the thing because stuff I look at is more still here and present and also topical than like old me. Well, I guess that's the thing. Like I'm all like I'm all in on new media shit. Like. People say, oh, you know, there's the pretentious people who don't people own a television, but like, I, I don't, I'm not like bragging about it, but like, I, I don't watch television. I watch television shows. I just don't watch them on TV and wait around for them to, to fucking happen. Yeah, just totally. Just like all yeah. like new media. I'm on that guy. same wavelength. Um, but you, you were going about uh, John Stewart and his driving the wedge between the two different. Yeah paths that exist it's kind of why he gets just so much flack is because he's he's supposed to provide like a point of view but what his point of view is just like everything is just crap out yeah. there yeah well he's um, he's critical of of both sides yeah he's, yeah he's I, equally I, I, critical. I think that it's, he very clearly has yeah say bias but he leans in one direction he, more yeah i think personally and and yeah because that, that's what anybody's i mean colbert's the same way so his well, is all like colbert's a character and, though. and yeah i'm saying though yeah. like yeah the colbert as a character he's yeah. like yeah he's his character is like hyper uh conservative yeah, guy, but it's really I, there's very much a, a liberal bent to yeah the subsects of the show yeah, I understand the way he modeled his character was to be just, like when he's around Bill O'Reilly, like he basically it's Bill O'Reilly. He's, he's basically Bill, Bill O'Reilly, O'Reilly who, Papa Bear, yeah, yeah. Papa Bear, he goes yeah, yeah. And, you, and you got it. Still and like, yeah, he's like he's, he's, he, he's like all those under undertones, undercurrents that like Bill represents, but he just pushes out there. He's like America. Yeah. He's like that's Let what me, that extremist view is. Kind of a sidebar, but let me ask you guys this: Do you think that that sort of thing would work? In the opposite direction, it feels kind of like they had like a supremely like I guess liberal guy, like hyper liberal guy. Yeah, I, know, I think I think anything can tear up Cooper Anderson think, that way. I think I'm sorry, like tear up Cooper Anderson that way or something. Is that his name Cooper Anderson? Anderson Cooper. Cooper? Ah, <laughs> wow, <laughs> dyslexia yeah, killing me, like, dude. Killing me. Like, who is this? Who? <laughs> who? It's funny because you picked up. Three newspapers today. <laughs> I know, isn't it? I, it's like, I gotta you do, never read them. Obviously, <laughs> I, have no idea who I can I can tell you plenty about bi fuel cars and the physics behind this. But you can't name the silver fox. I can't. <laughs> you mean Roger Sterling? <laughs> Roger Sterling, aka Anderson Cooper's son. Yeah, or dad. But um, Bad no, I, yeah, I think no, I think um, a really hyper stylized like little character word too. I just. When it comes to comedy like that and theirs in particular, I, I especially what I really admire and I guess what I would like to aspire to in some degree one day is more comedic writing. Is yeah, if the writing is there, you can make any, you can make the most shitty characters work if it's written well, and you can make the, you can make a hyper stylized liberal character work if it's written really well. 
So, I, yeah, I think it could be done. Just no one, do, I guess nobody does it because it, it's funnier to, that just, okay. It's, fun, <laughs> it's funnier to make fun of, I think lame is dumb shit. So when you see a character, this is just poison now. <laughs> when, you, when you see it, when you have a person or a personality like a Glenn Beck out of there, yeah. It you could probably have more fun as what Colbert is doing by like having a character who like is like Glenn Beck, but he's clearly saying shit that makes him look stupider. And it's like okay, yeah, sure. It's like the definition of satire. Yeah, just yeah, yeah satire. Yeah, yeah, yeah satire. Like it's like I don't have goat. Legs. All about that plan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I like how you mentioned that you're like something you'd you would aspire to is like some uh, be a writer for one of those yeah. Because at some point when I told you about the David Letterman, we were, mm-hmm. we'll get to that. You're asking about like how did he get to where he wasn't uh, David Letterman, but like I was trying to think about like well, we're, we're we're all doing basically comedy at this point. We're all do well. You're playing bands. I mean, Chris is doing more stand up than me and improv and stand. It's like we're all trying to do some kind of blend and we're getting stage time yeah and it's like you ask yourself a word you it's like anything you try to associate some kind of objective mm-hmm. and f- for a little bit i was sitting there thinking maybe uh what about being a writer for people that have phones that have alarm clocks that go off on them <laughs> just trying to make sure we're still rolling because yeah. because yeah i, I think last week but like al, al madrid al madrigal Ma- He's a reporter for John Stewart. Yeah. He's uh it's like thirty seven or thirty-eight mm. and he got his start out in uh LA and he was like always doing it on and off, but then like really got into it in like the like la- like those last eight years of yeah. well, he has thirty. And he was like working like a furniture store and like supporting a family. And he just kept going at it and eventually they saw him at the comedy store. Up he went. And then yeah. he he was tried out for uh, the uh, Daily Show. The correspondence. Because I, yeah. I know that they when they do like the audition process for like especially Daily Show, they want you. To, I think comedic writing is a big thing. Not so much stage. I mean, perform like stage presence is one thing, but I feel like this because you you hear about like all the like the writers from SNL like um, D- Donald Glover, I he's. Really? Yeah. He wrote for um no, he, he wrote, he wrote for, 30 for thirty rock. Yeah. He wrote for thirty rock and then he was on community and all that stuff. But yeah, he started off as a writer on in I mean he had the YouTube channel Derek Comedy. Mm-hmm. And so he started with that. You know, I mean, he was going to stand up. Yeah, he, he has his stand up and everything. Like he he's another really brilliant like writer because it's like he did stand up but he doesn't do it too much, but he did 30 Rock for the longest, and he was, like, one of the lead writers on that show, and then he had Community, so obviously he's a writer for that. Yeah. I, th- I feel like you, as a as a comic anyway, I think that's kind of, like, the, the one of the end goals. Like, try to be a writer for a show. Yeah. Because at that point, one, I feel like it has more longe- longevity. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like you always constantly add in. And then some people would argue that because you don't get to have your own voice out there as opposed well, to it's, yours. It's so I interesting to hear you say because I think like Seinfeld and Larry David was the voice behind that. And it was like, because yeah. Larry David admitted that he was like, they were hanging out at one point and they were going around stores and trying to come up with a concept, just like bantering mm-hmm. what could be a show. 
And then it was that they both micromanaged the absolute shit out of things. Yeah. But Larry David's content was something that he saw better reflected in Seinfeld's voice. And mm-hmm. then because that's boom. another thing when you write, you have to be mindful that because you have some comics write jokes for other comics, you have to write something that Paul Mooney, Richard Pryor, yep. Eddie Murphy, it has Wanda to come Sykes. Out of I don't even know yeah. who she writes. For yeah, she's, she's writes, a writer. For and I feel like that's so. Cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, that's basically yeah. because, like, I I could not imagine writing a joke for someone else, having to still keep in mind this is their, like, if I said a Chris joke, mm-hmm. you wouldn't want to hear a Chris joke out of Charlie mouth, you know, or or and then it goes back to yeah. you as the performer to I think perform. I would deliver it. that well. <laughs> <laughs> then it goes back to you where you now have to perform this. So I think I think that's more like a, you know, the work relationship between yeah. the writer and the, and the performer themselves and that's something that has to be solidified too but that's a whole another thing well that's that's i mean that's a team yeah that's a team. Team. I, I think it comes down to what you're like you were asking like what your what the the end goal is and i think that that varies like i i would love to be on the stage like yeah. writing is cool i love to write that's yeah. like my my thing but i would love to be on the stage so for me the end goal is to be yeah, on the stage or in front yeah. of the camera. Oh yeah. I mean, if say I get a, a writing job on the show, I'm not gonna be like, well, no, unless I can okay. be on camera at some point. Yeah. Like that's an excellent end goal to have. But mm-hmm. and I know that there are people who are like, you know what, I don't really need the limelight, I don't need the fucking that sort of attention or whatever. I'll just hang out in the background and write and put my words in in people's uh, mouths. But um. I don't know, I just think it just kind of depends on what type of person you are. I mean, three of yeah. us are obviously are are all performers in, in, in some way, shape, or form. Well, in multiple ways, shapes, and forms. Yeah. So I, I would imagine that for us, like, the, the actual end goal is to be in front of people. Mm-hmm. Just because, I don't know, that always just seems like it's so much fun. Like, I love yeah, it seems fun. Stage. I, I mean, for me, personally, I guess either or or both are just as, like, amazing to reach like I would love to be in front of people but I don't mind either the idea of like I'm in the writing we meet up every morning from 9 to 2 and we sit there and throw stupid ass ideas back and forth that would be just as fulfilling for me as saying the dumb ideas in front of people so I yeah but there's some people yeah they just want to be writers uh, I, know I think what, the thing is though that there are so many fewer places yeah. in front of people in front of the camera in front of the mm-hmm. crowd that it seems as though there's, and it might actually be, I don't know, but it seems as though there's like this greater uh, demand to to be the, the on-air personality versus being oh, yeah. the, the writer, just because there are so fewer spots to be that on-air, mm-hmm. in front of people guy. Yeah, yeah, total. I mean, ideally you do both. Yeah. True, because uh, yeah. who was the one dude, uh, George Carlin. <laughs> like, I just found out, um, the, what's his name? Uh, she just got a show on Fox. Mulaney? Mul- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. It wasn't yeah. until, like, uh, just after Hater hosted SNL, yep. and I was reading about it, I was like, oh, right. shit, he wrote Stefan. Yeah, he, him and um, Bill Hader wrote oh, yeah. Stefan. Bill Hader. Hader, yeah. And he, they, they created Stefan together. And, and I had no idea, though. Yeah, they and he, like, and this, he this other for, guy yeah. who's like, got his own show yeah, now. He, he has his own show. That's John, he doesn't even know what's writing for SNL. John Mulaney? John yeah. Mulaney, yeah. Yeah, and he's just like this. And he's a writer at SNL. He's like this howdy doody like, figure. He's like 30 years old or something like that. Uh, he's, I, I have no idea. I don't know anything yeah. about him. 
Yeah, he, he just... Oh, he's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, if you ever... For anybody listening as well, he's listen good. to John Mulaney's New in Town special. It's yeah, on that's, a, that's a good one. I've heard that, that it's, one. It's amazing. It's, it, it, he, he's popping up in my, uh, in my shit that Netflix thinks oh, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Watch it. Yeah, Watch he, it. You, it's in, like, his, sorry, his, his like, presentation mm-hmm. on stage, he's like a throwback the way he presents himself. Yeah. But his material is modern. Yeah, take my wife, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like he's wearing like a suit. He's not up there in jeans. And I, I sound like I'm ragging on people out there wearing jeans, like nah, a t-shirt. Cool. <laughs> but I, it's like there's like this whole era of like Dan Cooks to me. All of our shirts have collars on it. Oh. Nice! Wow! Come on, three, three way, three oh, way. Wait, One, no. two, three. Smack! Smack! <laughs> smack. That, you just heard a three way smack. Because that shit was not gonna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, because yeah, John Lady, because he even talks about how he likes going back. Like even he has a show now. It has a. It literally. Ha- it does have a live audience, and it does it uses multiple cameras and stuff. Like, and he wanted it to be a throwback to Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Um, people say the show isn't really that funny because he's so geared on that that it's kind of detracts from it a little bit and it's all very slapstick sitcom-y have, so. have you watched it? I I've only read the reviews I haven't watched the episode yet but that's what I've heard that's I was just judged from like the, the commercials it just it didn't look uh, I, honestly I haven't seen any because like I don't watch TV so besides like it's on Hulu and I might watch it one day but, but from the reviews I heard it's like it's trying to it gives off a very throwback feel to like sitcoms of old mm-hmm. and that both so, it, so it doesn't be, really do anything for it. We had mentioned when we were at the Mercury Burger that, like, you... I just remembered it. Name drop that place name. Hey, plug. <laughs> Give us some free burgers. burgers. Make Put some bigger fish on that uh, great white fish or something. Break up with dreadlocks. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it was like, we are Please, please. <laughs> I'm done. Hey, hey, Maybe like he's hunting too hard, or he's not found his own voice in the sense of a show. Uh, perform- yeah, like, show. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the show's only been on for like a couple, like maybe two episodes now, three. So I don't think it's okay. been on that long either. So I, I like well, to say I'm not going to judge it that harshly, but yeah. yeah. Well, that's another thing, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm about to sound like I know exactly what I'm talking about, even though I obviously don't. But that's like that's a completely different beast than running the show is a completely different beast than doing the stand up. Yeah. Which is a completely different beast than like the the sketch comedy on SNL. Mm-hmm. Like you can be really good. I mean, we got tons of examples. Like most of the cast of SNL, even how, no matter how hilarious they were on the show, don't go on to be Dude, fucking Will Ferrell. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. or even fucking. Adam or even Sandler. people who are really bad on SNL, they go on and do. I'm like it's just hard to. Gauge, I, like, I was like, like I was really wishy washy about uh, Andy like, Samberg. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly what yeah. I was thinking of because like, Brooklyn, I, I kind of Brooklyn, 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 Brooklyn,
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard no. The show is funny as hell. I've seen one episode. It was just awesome. I liked I liked him only when he did Nelly like the Rob. music kind of songs, like the Lonely Island like stuff on SNL. That was the he only. He played a lot of straight men for some reason, which yeah. seems really bizarre. <laughs> but that's the only like time the I really wacky characters he'll yeah. play. That's the only time that's I really care for him. Yeah, but that's the only time I really care for him was when he did Lonely Island like stuff, like a music performance. Other than that, him on SNL was like. Eh. But then he did the Brooklyn, was it 99? Brooklyn 99. It's really fucking funny. And then there's some people who do really great at stand up who, um, I forget the guy's name. It was like Chris Rock was on SNL, I understand, for like, I think two or three years. Yeah. He was he like around that time with like David Spade and Adam Chris Farley. Farley and all yeah. that stuff. But, but he, didn't, he left. But when he went, yeah, when, when when he went, went stand-up, into yeah. his stand up again from where he came from, Killed it. Like, because he had two more albums after that, you, and he had that album before. Fu- you know what's funny about Chris Rock with SNL is I he would talk about his time on SNL. He liked it, he appreciated it, but he said SNL had a very, um, uh, what's the word? Everyone's listening. I know, right? <laughs> it's just no, the, the word left me. The word left me. You commanded everybody's <laughs> attention. You, you, you can just put Jeopardy on right now, <laughs> like that background beat. <laughs> but everybody had a very, like, uh, uptight feel to like everybody was very like regimented there and he's saying he didn't I like mean, it Lauren keeps much. a really tight shit yeah he keeps a tight but I, I I there was also like I guess like an uppity feel that he said like, they got from SNL that he didn't like like or appreciate so he didn't want to deal with it anymore. something raw I mean I always hear that like it's, it's such a, a hard stressful thing from all the people who are on there like it, it really really well for some people pretentious it's not Oh, there you go. And we all we know another place that was kind of pretentious. Mm. Well, say, but yeah, are you, are you gonna break it home? McDonald's. No, no. Break it home. <laughs> I can't stand that place. Is that that fucking McCafe shit. What is that about? You always shutting yeah. down. The but game. yeah, there was a very pretentious like air to SNL that Chris Rock didn't like, and it's kind of funny when I think about that in retrospect. But um, yeah, a lot of people do. Oh, but you know the guy from Horrible Bosses, not the one, not the one from um. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, you're talking about uh, not fucking, yeah. Michael Bateman, but the one in the middle, the tall one who sleeps with people. I, I never saw that. Norm McDonald? No, 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 no. <laughs> fucking oh shit! I know his fucking name. I, just, I love that guy's weekend up there. Yeah. Uh, I'm about to just Google. Did you Did you watch a lot of SNL, Ed? Uh well, like most people. Well, maybe not like most people, but <laughs> I watched it in like phases. So like yeah. around the time with like Farley and Spade. And Sandler on there, I was, like, really heavy into it because, like, I was that age where, like, Sandler shit was the funniest shit in the world to me. Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis. You know what's funny? He was a uh, he that. was a writer on SNL for, like, six years before he actually joined the cast. So that's not me. I feel like just writing is where it's at. Go do that. I mean, yeah, and if you if you can yeah. make that leap, even. Yeah. But yeah, so like those years, the fucking the Catan, Farrell, mm-hmm. Molly Shannon year. Oh, it's yeah. funny, like, there's only like a couple years maybe in between where I wasn't watching. Yeah. But like, when I was watching, I was like all in <laughs> on that yeah. shit. Fucking yeah. like, when Tina was on there <sighs> and that whole area, area the, her, it's, Fallon. It's really interesting here you talk about this SNL stuff because I actually, I only, I only like, really indulged like certain things that like grabbed my attention. Like, for some reason, Norm MacDonald. He just became like a hook to me. Like I watched him oh, do yeah. like a presidential like uh, dinner with Clinton, and mm-hmm. I was like, "This guy's 
presence on the microphone is ridiculous. And then I saw the Weekend Update stuff and like how utterly convinced he was that OJ was guilty just hooked me in to like find everything out about all those episodes. And I was like, he like called it like way early before the verdict ever came out. And then, you know, Chris Farley, like you had mentioned, and then I dug back because digging around for like really early years so I could see where it came from. Started seeing like when uh, Richard Pryor was on there. Mm-hmm. And then the hilarity of when it was just Eddie Murphy, the only person the on there. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like sitting there getting in the hot tub being James me. Brown. He's just like, oh, hot tub. <laughs> and uh, the one reason why I'm actually coming to this is I was thinking of a thing that you posted on your face space about that. Um, Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase, and, and uh, um, Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor and that scene. I yeah. you had the a whole article I read, but there was no video, and then I went to find the video yeah, and I instantly think. found it. Um, do you know this? Mm-hmm. They like hated each other. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, Chevy Chase is terrible to work with. Well, I don't. I mean, going off of that is funny reading that because then when you, you you read all the stuff from a community, like. I was thinking we we should totally give you a premise on like what that whole scene was about with Chevy Chase and, uh, and Eddie Murphy, uh, yeah. Richard, Richard Pryor. Pryor. Yeah, yeah. Um, so his black do, eyes look alike. No, you're good. No, I, I want you to do this one. No, I was going to literally look it up in the way I can. Chris just remaining. posted it. He didn't actually yeah. read it. So right. Because right. I read, I skimmed through, but I, didn't read, I literally don't. Uh, yeah, so go ahead. All right. So the, the basic premise to it is that Chevy Chase represents uh, an employer, yeah. and he's uh, a white straight man, uh, straight laced. You mean guy. straight man in like the comic yeah, straight, sense? Yeah, in the in, uh, in the comic sense, and uh, in in a similar fashion, Richard Pryor is a guy who is a, a straight laced black man who is trying to make his way, and he applies for a janitorial position, and in this company, and then he's like, "Hey, you don't mind if we go through this interview?" And then he like has a bunch of questions to read off, but then immediately they become racist questions, and they're very subtly placed in there. And then uh, he was like, what's another word for, um, what do you say, jungle bunny? And then uh, Richard Pryor said, uh, dead honky. And then, like, or it's like it went it's back like and forth. Honky, like, then another thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Did, I, and, I remember that. Scene. Yeah, and then, it, like, the intensity, like, it just got heightened to such a level. And at the end of it, you know, it's like Chevy Chase is like, oh, well, uh, how about we pay you that? He's, like, compensating him to get him to, like, settle down. And it's like you could just see the dynamic, and there was just real raw that – it was more than just the scene at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why when I saw yeah, that... Yeah, because I never seen the actual scene myself like that. Yeah, when I read that article, I was like, I got to I gotta find the scene. I, I, I couldn't believe it. This was something that really happened that raw like that. Because I don't... You had mentioned what Chevy Chase is not considered that well performer, or well, people apparently don't like him. He's really don't like to him work with because yeah. uh, they had a lot of issues with him on Community. I mean, even before that, though, like. He's he's got a he's according to what I hear because yeah. obviously, obviously I don't know Chevy yeah. Chase never met him or anything but like he's been traditionally just like really difficult to work with yeah for the same reasons a lot of times because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a community thing yeah well because I remember first hearing that just based off the community then when I found that article that talked about that scene it kind of like gave me a beginning point to like what I hear about him now I was like okay so maybe. He's been an asshole in the middle, too. I don't know. I'm assuming. But that's, I guess that's something, too. Bad people to work with. Because, like, you do music, so... It, is there, like, a really 
group dynamics and making up stuff on your own, or do you just kind of like everyone does their thing and you just put it together at the end? Well, it's, it's, it's the, the way, it depends. <clears throat> like, you're talking about just like, as a group, or like when we're putting together a song? Yeah, we'll say a song. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so a song. Well, it, it kind of depends on on who came up with the song, like how the song came up, and, and what we're trying to do with it. Like, when um, when our guitar player, when he comes up with a song, usually he's got all the pieces together that he wants to have with it. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, these are, this is basically what I want you to do. He like goes through and tells like what kind of song it is, and we talk about all that shit. Um, with me, I'm not as an experienced um, a music writer. So like I'll come and I'll have like the basic tune and probably the chord progression or changes or whatever, mm-hmm. and the lyrics, of course. But like, I can hardly tell our drummer like, okay, I want to sound like or whatever the fuck, or like I usually just like, okay, here are the chords that should go, like this is the, the general feel of the song and we like play it out from there. Um, and then sometimes it's just like we're playing around and we're jamming and we get like a, a groove going on and then we build a song from from there. Um, as far as I can tell, like the, the most important thing, I mean, it's like any team, yeah. like it's the, the team dynamic is it just like how well you work together. Is everybody yeah. going to be like just collaborative or doing it in or is we going to have like a, a leader who was like rallying everybody and like delegating the shit or... Like maybe a because I have like this funny sort of scenario. It just kind of depends on. I'm actually uh, interested to ask you about like the Mm -hmm. the dynamic of like having like a strong front man. Like I don't know why first thing that comes to mind right now is uh, uh, Iggy Pop or like uh, Joe Strummer uh, from the Clash. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know why I'm thinking about that right now. It's just like how important is it just to have somebody that's like you need to have that guy. He's just like out there and he's just like driving it like it's like an army and it's just like mm-hmm. you four or five. Because I have this funny image of like whoever's the drummer and come like I wrote a song, guys, but you will get to that. You is that what happened to Ringo? Yeah. I got a song, guys. I got a song about a yellow submarine. It's like, oh, you're the family guy. It's like, submarine. Bitch, you don't play guitar. You don't know what they do. So you don't know words. You only know. That's when they were on, like, copious amounts of drugs. And it's like, oh, I hear that song, Ringo. Get him off the sailing. Always climbing the walls. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the funny image I have of like when like someone else who's not the lead singer tries to like come up with like a song idea. It's like we'll get to you, don't yeah. worry, have yeah. fun. Like yeah, it, a, it, it can a, a band. That, oh, sorry, a band that I was just gonna say like maybe uh, be the antithesis to I when I think of uh, what is it Jack White and uh, the White Stripes, I don't view him as a powerful strong man. I view him and the the drum was it what was. His, White, former wife's name. Uh-oh. I viewed them as like they were like a force that came Jack together. Wife. Yeah, Jack White's ex-wife. But when I think of like that song, like, like Seven Nation Army, mm-hmm. I I don't know something about like uh, I think about that drum. That drum really was driving in there. I don't think of like a a need for like a Joe Strummer like just like charging up there. But uh, give me your feel on it because I am fairly curious on like, how big of a need is it for that. Well, I, I think about it kind of differently because I always look at and kind of secretly fear, like, hmm. uh, being the Supremes. 
Like, and, uh, that's probably, like, at least in the back of the minds of everybody who's not, like, their, the lead singer or their band leader is like, shit, we don't want to, like, get left behind or whatever. Um, I know for my band, everybody writes, so that kind of changed it up. Like, our guitar player has written the most songs, so he sings the most songs, so he's probably, like, the de facto head of the band. But, I don't know, it's, our, our dynamic is kind of different that way. I don't think that you need to have that front man, but it helps. When, it, when enough people are paying attention, they're going to make that happen anyway. Um, I always think about, I think it's an interesting case, um, I, I know a lot of people don't like it when I bring this band up, but I really like Fall Out Boy, and the band Face is not the lead singer in that band. Patrick does most of the singing, and um, what's the fucking guy? This is hair. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Fucking um the fall shit. the 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 hair that just drapes the front of the face. Yeah, what the fuck is that guy's name? Uh there's Patrick, there's Andy, there's the other guy, and Pete. Fucking Pete Wentz. Hmm. Pete Wentz is like the face and head of the band, but he's not like the lead singer of the band, it's Patrick. Um and that's that's an interesting dynamic, I guess, but it's still like this thing of like, okay, you got these two in front and I don't even really know who the other two guys are. Yeah. Um, uh, Panic at the Disco is another one that had four people in the beginning, and then it's basically just one dude now, which... The whole <coughs> band just completely... Yeah, but Vices and Verses, yeah, Vices and Virtues, which was their third album, there were two of them, and I'm not quite sure what happened after that. So, like, it's... The, that's why I think to... If you want, it depends. Like, what you're trying to do? Are you just trying to make this sound? You're trying to make this thing? You're trying to make your band work, or are you just trying to use this as a vehicle to spring off from? And you know, everybody falls aside, however they were. I don't know. It's it's kind of it's it's not it's spectrumatic. It's like it's, there's no telling what's going to work for what particular band or what particular act. I mean, fucking the Jackson Five was awesome, but yeah. there's only one Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's like it, the the different ways that I'm hearing you talk about, like the what what avenues will you take with your band? You talked uh, earlier actually, where you said like uh, you could do the bar scene, you could do what would be a theater scene, you could do the uh, political satire, mm -hmm. uh, hosting. You had gone ahead and like just listed the whole gamut of that when we were talking about the show showmanship or show being a comedian or something or other performer. Yeah, and. In the same way I'm seeing, it's like people try out different avenues. They could be a writer, they could choose to go ahead and be a performer, and then you gotta figure out, well, which which of these elements do I like more? Because at the end of the day, it's gotta be hella it's, hard it's, to maintain yeah, both. Yeah, because that's another thing. I mean, it was an article uh, I posted a long time ago, so I can't find it, but uh, they were showing about like comics who changed their whole like act. Uh, the basis one I remember was Louis C.K., like, I guess apparently when he started, he was doing very slapstick stuff, like, oh, yeah. idea, like, he realized. I love that sound. <laughs> and You're nailing it. Clown. And then eventually he just said, he said, I, I just threw it all away. I looked at all my stuff I wrote down. I was like, this is shit. And then it's like, bad shit. And so he just stopped. And then, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny because. And I'm, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you finish. Go ahead. But like, I, I literally just. Oh, what's the name of the episode? I want to call it "Sales: The Last Temptation of Crust." 
the uh, Simpsons episode where uh, Chris the Clown realizes that nobody respects him as a comedian, so he <laughs> completely changes his whole shit up. And like becomes like super anti capitalism. Yeah, this is like all this shit before he sells out in the end. That's like that's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, so Louis Sergei was like, Yeah, all this like slapstick happy stuff is terrible. So then he just went from that to like the depressing dark CK yeah. that we know now. It was like, Yep, this is my niche. I found it. I mean, you can make the argument if that's really him or not, or it was a slapstick stuff him. I think that if it I think it is. Uh, it's all it's all for people to know if they know act. him. It's an act. Yeah, well, it's I'm not saying act. that he's he's not like yeah. real. But it's it's an act. It's an act. It's yeah. a performance. It's a persona that has to mm-hmm. be assumed. I'm sure that even if he is like more him now than he was yeah. before maybe. Yeah. Like that's not Literally, yeah, I'm pretty sure he doesn't walk around just like wanting to kill himself. But you know, the thing with like a lot of you know, moving in those roles, like George Carlin was the same way. Yeah, the same thing happened with George Carlin. He started out clean. I can't remember what show he he did a lot of clean comedy and stuff like that. Yeah, he started out when he was in his 20s doing some, he was doing like a a radio thing, Mm -hmm. and uh, he got out of the military. And then he moved into somehow make it on the Carson show or something mm. like I can't remember what show it was. It was some host show at that time. Maybe it wasn't Carson just yet. So then Carson was like sixty six or something like that. Anywho, he went into that and he was a clean guy. He had like roles like uh, some uh, Native American fighting cowboy and the hippy dippy weatherman. Uh, these were all reoccurring roles that he would do. And then at some point. He started wearing jeans on stage and stopped wearing a suit, and then he started the growing. Fucking jeans. He started wearing the, started wearing a beard and grew out his hair, and that's when you see him in albums like AM FM, and then that was just that was it. Like he, you saw him forming into the darker version of himself. Well, what what around what time was this? This is like. Early seventies. Yeah, early. early I mean, 70s. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, counterculture. Right? Like you just you know, just look at the times of what was going yeah. on, and like fucking Don Draper doesn't exist in the seventies, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. fucking Flower Power doesn't exist in the sixties in that way. It's it's funny that you bring that up because that's just a very clear transition in mm-hmm. just like the times, and mm-hmm. just I mean, good for him to be able to navigate that that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think because I mean, I mean, he just stayed self- that dark comic for like the last yeah. forty years of his life, though. Because I think, yeah, I mean, some people did it earlier, but I think now people enjoy that. I mean, you not can, dark comedy, but people enjoy like kind of like because everybody there's always been self deprecating humor, but I guess um, people. But it's like sorry, when you think about Louis C.K., I think yeah. about self deprecation. I think about yeah. Carlin. He would do like all this wordplay stuff, and then he would have these two ways he would assess the world, and mm-hmm. it wasn't always about him. Actually, if you look at his stuff, he never goes into saying like about "my himself. wife sucks," yeah. "my child sucks." Yeah. He stays like kept this, that off the plate. This world that we live in. It's funny because like, late into his life, or like, you know, like he got really political. So yeah, yeah. yeah like, I, I enjoyed that weird evolution where he was able to just talk about political like humor and. Because like I, I find political humor very interesting because it's almost like how those like little in the Sunday paper I have a little cartoon mm-hmm. like that one little thing sums up what you've been thinking about yeah. and it also satires in the, you've been the New Yorker the New York, yeah the New Yorker so highbrow uh, eh yeah highbrow <laughs> so so that's why I yeah I enjoy writers of political comedy because 
when I so difficult, I would imagine. At least to me, it is. When I think about that, I think about we were talking about that dark. I think about um, Louis Black. Yeah. <clears throat> he had like three albums that just killed straight. What was his career before that, though? He was like 60 when he hit the. He really yeah. hit it in the late yeah. 50s. Mm-hmm. He was writing screenplays for like 25, 30 years of his life. I think he went to Juilliard. Like, he just. He used comedy or stand up as a vehicle um, when he didn't have other times for being on stage. Yeah. And then eventually he came out and he was just straight to dark stuff mm-hmm. and straight to political dark stuff, to be honest. Yeah. And then when. It was funny when I, I remember hearing him in a podcast with Mark Ray, they're like. He got so many people saying, how are you going to have comedy now that Obama got into office? Because it's like he was supposed to be this very liberal comic. And then he tells the crowd, he's like, you think that I still can't make fun of him for doing something dumb is just as much as that of Bush? And it was just like, like you were like, saying about uh, yeah. Stewart earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what people say about Stewart. Like, yeah. You make and fun of Bush equally. It's like, yeah, but he did dumb shit, but I still yeah. will make fun of Obama right. equally. And, uh, and the thing I find interesting is that as much as that is true, they said that he would do that. Yeah, I haven't really heard much from him since Obama did come into office. Yeah. Did he lose relevancy? Did he lose that pull? Maybe. Maybe. And it's it also the fucking old. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because uh, that was another thing. I was just want to chill. Yeah. <laughs> he did like pump out three books at the same time, like a very black Christmas or something like that. And I mean, just, well, like, then, just... then, like, the other thing is like touring is fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> like you, nobody wants. That must to be tough to when you tour. get older too, then. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you're fucking touring around the country and like doing all these late nights and shit and all this crazy shit. Like that shit's not easy mm-hmm. <laughs> to do. Just like. Off yeah. rip if you're an old dude, especially. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, fucking take time, write your books. Ooh. I. It may be a little non sequitur, right? Sequitur, non sequitur, sequitur. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, just, just keeps. I wanna. I wanna hear you say that word a few more times. Sequitur. <laughs> 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 Damn it! Oh, you got like a little mustache, like. Non sequitur. Getting destroyed over there. <laughs> uh, you had asked about uh. Dave Letterman and how he got his role and oh, we're talking yeah. about oh, how yeah. bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his uh there we go. Full circle. Mm-hmm. Um something you can't bring full circle like rollerblading, uh, no matter how much you try. <laughs> That's not one activity that comes back full circle. That is a reference you'll get when you watch somebody rollerblading around Detroit at some point. Oh. Nineties. Dave, so Dave uh, Letterman, I can't remember. He's thinks from Illinois, or he's from Illinois or Indiana, and uh, he started doing stand up. Actually, he did it at a theater right when uh, Robin Williams debuted himself. Oh. Uh, and Robin Williams debuted himself. He told the the MC to say that he was from Scotland, and it was like him in the back and uh, who's the other guy that has the chin, Jay Leno. They're all going to the same place. And, uh, you know, they all kind of got their thing with, like, who's the new guy? And he comes on, they get the Scottish accent, and then Rob Williams blew him all away. Well, at that point, really was, we're saying that like, he sucked on doing his stand-up or something, mm-hmm. like John Stewart. Well, um, years later, like, talking like 10, 15, he's done some uh, hosting of shows, same with Jay. And then, um, well, guess what? Jay had a much stronger manager than that of uh, uh, Dave. 
and Johnny was retiring, and Jay got was his manager was just able to strong arm and get him in there, and later in the life of Carson, it was it was always apparent that Dave and Jay, Dave and uh, Carson got along, and it really hurt him that he didn't get the show because he wanted to be the uh, what yeah. is it the heir to the show. Yeah. And then that didn't happen, so he ended up doing his late night show and then it got picked up by the other other company, what, CBS? Yeah, CBS, yeah. yeah. And I mean, and then it saw that happen again a yeah. couple decades later with Conan. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same you exactly. Like now we've got this whole new era of Jimmy Kimmel and uh Conan and uh Jimmy Fallon and I'm I'm thinking you guys might be able to explain this uh to me a bit more because something similar I wanna say happened to uh to Joan Rivers. Oh yeah. She was like Carson's guest host like when he wasn't she on was, the show. She was basically his guest host. She was on for a long time, then she became she was a writer too, also, but then she became the guest host when they realized she had like a lot of stage presence. Uh, then at that point she had like her own show for a little bit but it didn't last that long I believe I, I thought there was like a, a bit where like she was at one point the heir apparent to she was to the one who everybody thought was gonna t- pick up at, right after Carson yeah mm-hmm. but it didn't happen yeah I, uh, probably honestly it probably was because of the fact that she was a woman honestly just around mm-hmm. that, that whole era yeah. at the time so she, it was kind of like she was the clear choice but they went with somebody else hmm just because she was a chick so she so that dropped her right there that kind of dropped her career and then she had her own show so I would, I would have to check how long she had her own show but I know it didn't last that long okay um, and again this might be a bit tangential also and I don't know if you guys even know about what I'm about to ask but how long has it been and how did it become like Lauren's thing the, the late Saturday to night long. show fucking graduation progression thing because as, as far as I know, it seems like like he had a, a great deal of sway, at least in you mean getting Fallon and, for and, and oh, Seth and everybody into the He the vets thing. a lot of those people himself. Like I, I guess from what you read about Lauren and everything, he's like has a great eye for that. So uh, in the case of, I would say from what I read about from like with Fallon, how he came up because didn't he had his own like. He had the late night spot because what the three spots for those late night shows is like the the ten to eleven spot. There's a the Tonight late, Show. The Tonight Show. The, the so it's like night. ten to eleven. The one that comes on from eleven to twelve. Like those three spots are anything after like one a.m. You're pretty much gonna be there for a while, I well, guess. What? Because what, what's the guy named Craig there? Ferguson? He has there like the late late. Yeah, that comes on like yeah, he has the is, late late is, show because he's not on anymore. But he, uh, it is that on NBC? No, he left it. I think it's really. I thought that was he was he was always on after David was Letterman. Thing. Was that? I thought Craig Ferguson's show was a different thing on a different. It's network. a different network, but ideally that time it's because you I guess you have to look at it not from so much being on the same network, but just that time like bubble. From it's pre- so it's produced by David Letterman. Yeah, and everybody has and everybody kind of knows it's all. I think they're all in New York. So yeah. it's kind of like that thing where they all pretty much work together in a way. Well, but Tonight Show wasn't in New York. Tonight Show? It, it wasn't when uh, yeah, it was with on, Jay. It yeah, was in California. Yeah, California. Uh, that's right. Um, Fallon moved it. Yeah, he moved it back York. to New York. But it was in New York first, and then he, I think he moved mm-hmm. it. But yeah, Jay moved it to to California. So you figure, um, I mean, yeah, Fallon worked for it. He started off on SNL, then he. 
moved up to SNL. I think it, it, that's really the first. You have to remember, for our lifetime, we've only really seen two hosts of the show. We'll be lucky if we ever see another one after that. Cause yeah, they, you, they stay on there so yeah, they long. Stay on there, they can stay on there so long, so there's not like there's a large, a lot... There's not like there's a lot of, of examples of like different hosts and how they pick them, but I would imagine that um, he's picking now from because before Jay was never on SNL. I would think that he's getting a lot of his people if, if, for future reference. I guess is from SNL, the SNL crop or the I don't alumni. See, uh, I mean, I don't. I don't that's, just not enough. There's not enough examples to say for sure because, like I said, after Carson, you had Leno. Have you Leno seen an update lately? Huh? Have you seen an update lately with Seth Meyers? No. Or, oh, you mean update on SNL? Um, no, because SNL is its own thing. It's really weird. I would, so I wouldn't really know how you pick well, the whole. I mean, just again from the short pattern that we've seen, it's yeah. been like the actual feeders have been like, okay, who's the the man host of Update? Okay, get in line, head writer. But remember, at one point. Um, oh, do you mean weekend? Uh, weekend update. Yeah. But also Fallon, who was on there we, before he got left, they got the. Is that I never knew? Night. I never knew the tra- trajectory of Fallon. Believe it or not, so tell me about it. You mean he was like on how SNL? SNL for like five years. He yeah. hosted a update with uh, Tina Fey. Tina Fey, and that was where he got like recognized with that. Like he was just regular guys. Because otherwise, he was up- the guy who always laughed during the sketches. Yeah, yeah, that was what he was always known for. For always laughing, and it was. But update, I guess they consider once you make the jump to up because. Even it's usually Seth the head writer. Yeah, because Seth Ma- Yeah, normally if you're on update, you're the head writer of like the most. Because Seth Myers was, he even admitted he's like I had like barely no characters. I didn't really do any sketches. I just wrote everything and then update. Oh, he, oh never mind. We go can ahead. hear you. So I was like, go ahead. I was just about I was just about to start talking about uh, what happened to Seth. He's Myers. on. He has his own. He took Jimmy Fallon's. He's spot. on late night. He's on late night. Okay. So he's on late night. I thought that he was Jim? supposed to take over for David Letterman. No, uh, Colbert is taking over for him. Yeah, he he now he's going to be taking over. So I think that. But uh, it's like I thought that it was a big thing. That Seth was you're taking over after uh, Jimmy. Okay. And then Jimmy took over for Jay, which late the late uh, Tonight Show is considered has a bigger audience. Than it's late. the it's the main one. Yeah, it's, it's the, the main one. Room. So because. In terms of, I guess, hierarchy, it would be, was it Tonight Show? Late Night. Late Night with David Letterman? Yeah. Or no, no, that's the, Letterman Show is what, the Late Show? Late, yeah. see, the, see, the, here's the thing, it's like, show. fucking Late names. Night, Late Night has Seth, has Seth on it now, had Jimmy on it, had yeah. Conan on it. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, the people who, like, created, they don't, like, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, there was no one before that, it was just, they just gave him a Late Night Show. Yeah. Uh, then you have the Craig Ferguson one. Um, uh, he they recently ended that one. I don't know if they put a new host on it, but I know it's no Conan. Conan at one point. I really I mean, do well, feel Conan like had to make his own shit after the whole yeah after the whole Jay Leno but thing. It's like I feel like Conan. He still can't. I I don't know his trajectory very well, but from what I saw with all that late night stuff. I get the feel that the guy was just looking to blaze his own path anyway. He and, was. And but he, he was, but he was, it was kind of, he got like, in, in a way that it was accepted that, oh, Joe's going to take over yeah. Tonight Show. Conan like, was everybody knew that. I mean, he did. And he did. But he had Jay fucked show Jay. him over yeah. royally by deciding, I want my job back. But the thing, it, the reason why 
I've, I, I will admit, I got, I got, he, another, I got again, another uh, writer for SNL, mm-hmm. Conan. Oh, Conan? Oh, really? See, the thing is, I have a soft spot for Conan because I look at him the same way I looked at Dave Letterman. He was like an underdog got screwed out of the job that he was pining for, mm-hmm. and uh, he was going for the Tonight Show. I mean, and also, he did it, and then he got screwed by Jay. I basically, I'm looking at Jay as like an, as like the arch enemy of arch enemies. Cause well, I'm, I'm sure that there's, there's like smooth yeah. some things over, but like I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that though. Like, cause I, I grew up with Conan. Like that was mm-hmm. my shit. Like when I was good enough to be able to yeah. stay up late enough to watch the show. Like I fucking, I love the, I love Conan's show. Uh, to the point that for a long time I didn't even know what the show was called. We just called it Conan. And I thought it was hilarious, especially in comparison to Leno, who, I mean, again, I've never seen a stand-up or anything, so yeah. I don't really know what his appeal is, yeah. but it didn't appeal to me. Yeah. So, like, we were, I mean, we were all in, in fucking Conan's corner. <clears throat> I remember one of the things I really dug about um, David Letterman's show uh, is that he would invite everybody brings comics on but more often David Letterman would bring comics on and then yeah. let them perform rather than him sit there and just rip a lot of jokes yeah. Jay would lengthen his sets out to be that he was making most of the material and I like that fact that well, I like it when I see somebody take a back seat like that he's like I, I don't need it's not that I don't need to establish myself but I want to see these other fledgling guys well, get a shot. They don't need to establish themselves at that point. Yeah. Letterman doesn't need to that need the exposure. Yeah. <laughs> Especially considering like well, I hear my dad talk about the Tonight Show. And mm-hmm. it, I mean this is one of the reasons why a lot of people hold it with such great esteem mm-hmm. is because that was like that was a star making fucking vehicle. Like you get on like people, that was people's whole thing was like we we working to get on the Tonight Show. Once you get on the Tonight Show, you got it made. Um, Pretty much, yeah. So I mean, because that's what it's supposed to. It's a variety show. It's supposed to be showcasing like other performers, and the host job really is just to bring out the best and and the performers and everybody that get on. So if a guy can't, like you're saying, if a guy can't perform, then like the fuck is the point of this? Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of I kind of get it because Jimmy. Has a different show than yeah. Carson did, obviously. Yeah. Fucking us. I remember Mitch Hedberg making a joke about how uh, his dad, <laughs> his dad would give him crap about being a comic, and he's like, he's like, man, one time I was backstage at the Tonight Show, and they had me invited out there, and I got bumped by Madonna. <laughs> but he's like, but you know what? I got to eat cantaloupe <laughs> for seven hundred dollars. That is unprecedented. I rubbed that shit in my dad's face. The cantaloupe? Yeah. <laughs> Eat this, dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm winning. This is exactly what I wanted. All my fans love me. Dad is proud of me. Mama cries from me. Cause she know there ain't sleep in my schedule. Having nightmares that I'm the black Heath Ledger. Sleep when I'm Hey guys, dead. it's it. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that and keep your eyes peeled for the new mini episode that's coming up later this week. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, let us know. For example, if you really like Charlie's laugh, shoot him a message over at something to do podcast at gmail.com. If you want to ask Chris about his obsession with caves, shoot him a comment on the Facebook.com slash something to do. And if you want to tell me about how I pronounced Alfonso Rivera's name wrong, even while telling Chris that he was doing it wrong, tweet it at something to do pod. 
um, we do get stuff wrong sometimes, so let us know what you think. Anyway, into the liner notes. The first song we heard is uh, Fall Out Boys, This Ain't a Scene, It's a Nars Race. It's from their album, Infinity on High. Uh, it's about how whatever kind of quote-unquote scene you're into, it's all really artificial while everyone involved is just jockeying for support and attention, I, I think. So that fits, right? Um, the second song was Panic at the Disco's Hurricane. I forgot how much I like this band. Really, I just threw them in because I shout them out in the conversation as well. Plus, uh, <laughs> that chorus always gets me hyped. And admit it, you will dance anything, won't you? And finally, we're going out on Childish Gambino's I'm Alright. That was from his album Cul-de-Sac. Um, it's all about how hard he has to work to be the joke-telling, nerd-rapping actor we all know and love. Because, hey, you know, show business is tough. And that's why all of us are trying to get into it. What are you going to do? Anyway, that's all from me, and I'll let you go. I know how much you really want to switch to listening to Serial, so, uh, yeah, let's do that. But, as always, thanks for listening. Record on Monday, tape on Tuesday I ain't slowing down, I don't care what you say Fuck this hell thing, mama, I'm on